0: I walk a hallowed campus with lectures given by the divine professors of wisdom, memory, and imagination themselves, and libraries wherein each gilded page requires a lifetime of reading, such is the Eden of the mind, given us fresh and fertile, hours to corrupt or sustain, such is the gift of the brain.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back to Solocene. This week is our final episode in the series about education. After this week, we're going to be doing a few kind of fun, sporadic episodes before launching into our next series. So thank you all so much for joining us on this adventure. Aaron, thank you for the poem.
0: You're welcome. It was, um, it was in response to us trying to come up with a final exercise for this episode. Mm-hmm. And We were like, we always knew that we wanted to design the Soho University. We thought that would be a fun, imaginative exercise, mm-hmm. which we partially did the, the campus in the zine. And I was just reminded that throughout the series, we've done a lot of designing. We have. We've done a lot of, like, we've, we've treated ourselves really as architects more than anything. Well,
1: we are. We both are officially trained as architects. Um,
0: she shakes it, her head. It might give the impression that education and learning are, are so intricately tied to the built infrastructure, mm-hmm. in which we associate with it. But really, the, the best place for learning is always with us. And it's, as the poem says, it's ours to corrupt or sustain mm-hmm. wherever we live, whatever libraries we're we're reading in. Yeah. We're really reading.
1: In the old brain.
0: In the old brain, always.
1: Yeah. So we're going to start off with learning from home, because that's something we didn't cover. But something that is pretty important to me as someone who was homeschooled for about eight months of their life, <laughs> and it's how I started learning. And I think homeschooling and... Learning from home is really important for kids, even if they're not homeschooled, but even just the time that they spend outside of official school hours.
0: Yeah, because that's what life is. Mm-hmm. Life is homeschooling. Yes. Really.
1: Yeah. So what are your thoughts on homeschooling? Did you ever want to be homeschooled?
0: You know I did. You but know I was... Not everyone listening Okay, well, I, I was I was really desperate to be homeschooled through much of middle school and high school, uh, mostly because of the, the social situation in those schools, but also because... I always felt that I was such an independent learner that um, mm-hmm. being in a, in a classroom actually was detrimental to me um, mm-hmm. in terms of learning as quick as I can. As I said in a previous episode, I spent uh, quite a few years occupying myself with little comics and doodles mm-hmm. and writing stories in class and things like that. I wouldn't exactly say I was that kid, I was always sketching, but yeah. I was just daydreaming. I'd say that's, that's a, fairer,
2: mm-hmm. a
0: fairer classification. So I think homeschooling was fun. My, my parents' objection always was, we can't teach you. And I was like, but I can teach myself. And um, so far into my adult life, to be honest, that proclamation. That uh, that estimate has not been so true. I haven't been teaching myself very well. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I took this question. Not just learning at home, but more like learning by yourself mm-hmm. outside of an organized structure that is school or university. Okay.
1: Cool. I took it by meaning in the solo scene, will there be homeschooling? How will it look? And I think in the solo scene, the schools will be so good that people won't feel the need to homeschool their kids. They're not going to feel like their kids are going to go to public school and get corrupted. You know what I mean? Like, it'll just be a lot more, there'll be a lot more options for publicly funded schools. Perhaps, yeah, you don't want them to go to this one, but they can go to another one, which has a slightly different philosophy or whatever. And... I do think, you were talking last week about unschooling and world schooling. I think that could be a federally or provincially, whatever the government structure looks like in the solo scene, mandated, encouraged thing. So perhaps each parent or guardian gets to choose a year of their child's life where they can take them on a trip and it's like sponsored by the government or something. Oh, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, because I was thinking... You know in school how there's the in-service days or professional development days where yes. the teachers would have a day and the kids would have it off school? I was thinking of having something like that for citizens, like for parents and people who have kids. Mm. So I think that would be kind of fun. Okay, on Thursday, once a month, the parents go to this conference thing and the kids obviously would go to school or whatever and the parents would be trained in, oh, there's this cool new technique you can use to teach your kids how to garden or whatever it may be it could be so many different things
0: that is cool the top down organization of it seems a little bit contrary to the idea of unschooling mm-hmm. but i mean even ourselves we went on a i guess it was a provincial uh trip from mm-hmm. nova scotia to mexico and it was just because we had high grades right and it was mm-hmm. kids from all over the the province in middle school, in high school and i would say that was very educational so yeah j- just like you were saying world schooling but mm-hmm. trips
1: yeah the like a bit more, I don't, I don't want it to be standardized, but the thing is, in the solar scene the governments aren't going to be, it's not going to be a Canadian provincial government that's covering basically a continent worth of people and worth of space. Mm. I think there'll be a lot more municipal governments. Oh, yes, okay. So it would probably be municipal, working with the parents and with the people who are trying to put on these trips, but a bit more equitable, because right now there's always the kids in school who they get to go all over the world, and some kids who never leave their community. So I think just, yeah, I guess equitable access to that kind of education and yeah, also the parent development days, I think is a fun idea.
0: I like it. Is that learning learning from home or learning away from home, I guess? It's yeah. A little bit closer to that.
1: Learning outside of school. Fair. Mm-hmm.
0: With regards to inside the house, something that we've touched on, I think in the degrowth series is having different spaces within your your living space for specific things. Mm-hmm. So we talk about How can we segregate technology so it's not infecting different parts of our lives? It's like you have a computer room and Mm -hmm. that's where the computers and the internet is. And that means that when you're not in that room, you're not constantly relying on Google and it's not a temptation or a distraction. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also true for learning. I often wish in our apartment that I had a desk Mm -hmm. or we had a desk because otherwise I'm just sitting where we eat or where sleeping is done. (laughs) And um, I I also think there's kind of a Pavlovian response wherein when you have a desk, when you go near that desk, it makes you get in the mood to do desky things. Mm. Like for me, when I'm around um, a bed, I get sleepy.
2: Mm.
0: When I'm around a kitchen, I get hungry. Yeah, That's just how it is. So I think that's, yeah, specific places are cool. And of course, it doesn't all have to be in the home, but just for this question, which is learning at home, Mm -hmm. I think that's something to keep in mind,
1: which is helpful. I agree. I had a few more ideas about learning from home. One of them is that libraries would be even more common than they already are. I feel like libraries, they exist in a lot of communities. Some just don't have them. But making libraries a lot more common, a lot more accessible, having events. Oh, the summer reading challenge or whatever. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the summer reading challenge, I like the idea of having reading lists for the summer or summer homework. Yep. Because I do think a break from school is important, but I don't think we should be taking two months off and basically reverting four months like it just seems silly so i think summer school or summer homework obviously way less than the normal workload of kids and teenagers but
0: yeah and more self self self-directed they can choose the books they read within reason
1: yeah did you like when you had summer homework or did you ever have summer homework
0: um honestly not that i remember Mm -hmm. i don't remember ever having any summer homework yeah i remember it always being held over our heads as a threat
2: yeah oh if you
0: don't (laughs) do this well you'll have to get it done over the summer but somehow we never did although there was one course um in high school, when you got to choose your levels of class, mm-hmm. there was an advanced English, which, yeah. not to toot my own horn, but I was made for. Um, it was
1: made for me, someone said.
0: But I knew that there was a summer reading list. Mm-hmm. And it was like, they weren't even books. They, I was really into to fantasy and sci-fi and, and more pulpy kind of genre fiction. Mm-hmm. And these were obviously literature. I remember two of the books were A Tale of Two Cities and um, The Boy with the Striped Pajamas. And I was okay. like... I just don't want to spend my summer reading, especially Mm. these books.
1: Okay. Um, I was the opposite. (laughs)
0: So I deliberately didn't take that course. And the teacher was like, again, this sounds like so, uh, like, um, self-aggrandizing, yeah. But the teacher was like lobbying me. He was like, come on, man, you got to take the course. And I was like, no. And I definitely regret not taking that course. And so the next year I did do that course with the summer homework Mm -hmm. and I discovered that I like reading. and Now I would mm-hmm. not even think twice about it. Because yeah. on warm days, now one of my favorite things to do is read.
1: Summer reading, my favorite thing. I remember 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, we had summer reading. And I adored it. I'd go camping, and it would be an excuse to not have to like socialize. I'd be like, okay, I need to go do this homework. Then I'd go and sit by the river and mm. read. And then I remember, for some reason, more vividly than any books I read in uni- university or high school, I remember those summer reading books. Almost like could recite pages like try and like they're they really stuck with me because it was kind of no pressure it was you have two months to read these few books right read them at your own pace read them all in one day whatever you want
0: I left until to the last yeah the the first day of school right?
1: I got back every single year no one else had done the reading or the homework <laughs> and the teacher would be like why didn't you do it and I'd be like well I did it but then I'd be frustrated because the first month would be spent reviewing it but in the solo scene people won't be slackers They'll want to do their (laughs) summer reading or something adjacent, a summer research project or something just to keep kids' minds engaged. What about a summer film list? Film list? Required viewing. And maybe there's at the community park, they show some of them. So all the teens go out, we're going to watch Jaws. No, no, it's
0: like summer viewing. So it has to be the equivalent films to summer readings. Instead Mm -hmm. of like A Tale of Two Cities, they're watching like Persona playing by Bergman. Mm -hmm. They're like, come on, guys, let's go watch out the drive-in. Yeah. Somehow I... No, it could happen. And so it could happen. Yeah. It's probably um, not a drive
1: in, but it'd be a bike in.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> definitely not a drive in. My final point for learning from home is with regards to relaxing, we should try to choose things which aren't actively detrimental to our brain. And I understand mm-hmm. with relaxing, I mean, this is, this is obvious, but I feel it too, which is sometimes you don't want to read Dickens. Mm-hmm. Or I just bought um, The Fairy Queen by Edward Spencer, <laughs> which is, I think it was. I don't remember when it was written, I think it was the 1400s or 1500s, and it's just genuinely written in Old English. But Mm -hmm. I got it with the intention of, as Hermione would say, doing some light reading. Mm -hmm. And then you, as Ron, say, this is light. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, well, this isn't actually going to be a relaxing chore. So sometimes when it comes to to books, there's two different kind of brackets that it's in. It's this will be fun reading, or this is homework. This is definitely going to feel like homework. So I think that when it comes to relaxing, we can do fun reading, but it also shouldn't be destroying our brain at the same time. It should be at least just neutral. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And this is inspired particularly by this change that I realized was happening in me in university when we had a previous podcast. And for it, we were trying to do social media for the first time. It was Mm -hmm. the first time I'd ever been on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And we were spending a lot of time on there, messaging, networking, trying to get followers. And it took me about maybe a month or two months. And I realized I can't read anymore. I can't mm-hmm. write anymore. And my, my, it had fundamentally changed the way my brain was working. And mm-hmm. I st- I'm still, I mean, I, I think I'm mildly addicted to the internet, as I think most people are. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's, there's so many kind of pitfalls that we can stumble into without even realizing it today, mm-hmm. I think, in terms of what we do. Well, I'm just decompressing after mm-hmm. work or after school. You know, sometimes you need to shut your brain off. And I completely agree with that because of how, brain intensive. So, so much of our inputs are today. Mm-hmm. But I think when we're shutting our brain off, we have to make sure that we're not decomposing it at the same time.
1: Yeah. That's a really good distinction because I often fall into the trap of I'm just going to, because you can really zone out excellently on Instagram or mm. on TikTok or wherever you are. But usually you come out of that hour of scrolling and you feel, don't feel better. No, exactly. I feel like the point of decompressing should be feeling better at the end of it so you can maybe get one more thing done in the day. You can go out and talk to one of your friends and be present. But I find when I do the hour of just kind of numbing instead of
0: (laughs) relaxing,
1: it doesn't work. And then I'm not open to learn anything.
0: Oh, I had another point about learning from home, which is that Mm -hmm. rather than always trying to learn for the sake of it, as in, I'm going to learn a language, Mm -hmm. even though I live in... Nova Scotia, I'm going to learn Spanish. Mm-hmm. And we try on Duolingo and we try using online resources. And it's really your, um, it's, a, it's a noble goal. And I, th- I do think it's possible. It requires a lot of discipline and sometimes creativity. But I think that you are kind of uh, fighting an uphill battle in those instances. Mm-hmm. It's maybe better, more effective, more consistent and more sustainable if we try and choose to do things that just require us to know more. Mm-hmm. So basically... Maybe um, I really want to go to Madrid, mm-hmm. so I'm going to learn some Spanish for that. Yeah. Or I want to um, join a play, mm-hmm. but I don't know how stages and you know I want to join like the back the staff, mm-hmm. but I don't know anything about that. So I'm going to learn a little bit about the history. And then you're learning for a goal, and it's not like an artificial deadline or mm-hmm. um, imposed thing that we put on ourselves, kind of.
1: Yeah. My final point for learning at home was that all the T V we should watch should be like PBS esque. And I know it's like I, it doesn't have to all be PBS, but I don't think there should be so much schlock as you call it. Schlock.
0: <laughs> you say that like I, I you say that like I'm so evil, but I watch a lot of schlock as well. No, we don't. But what I'm saying when I was saying about relaxing is that it's fine to watch schlock, but we should have a little bit of caution with regards to the schlock mm-hmm. that we consume.
1: That's what I mean. Yeah. It should be Seinfeld, not too hot to handle, <laughs> if that's what that shows. I'm not going to be so
0: judgmental. And, no, but and I name, mean, like, names, but...
1: I just think, especially for kids, adults perhaps have Children, a bit more discretion, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I don't think kids should be watching Cocomelon or whatever the most common kids show is, because I think that it rots their brains. Brain rot. Yeah. So I think being intentional, hey, we're going to watch PBS shows, because, like, Franklin wasn't explicitly educational and neither was Little Bear mm. but they made kids feel happy inspired yeah. taught morals and I feel like those really bright and flashy TV shows that were showing kids I don't feel like it teaches them much if anything it just teaches them to have an attitude and I'm like I don't want these kids to running around with attitudes at the age of four
0: and you <laughs> think that Seinfeld con- continues the tradition of Franklin and Little Bear into adulthood a little bit how it
1: teaches me about friendship
0: it okay. teaches
1: me that I want a yo-yo, and I got a yo-yo.
0: Well, what I like about Seinfeld <laughs> is that, it, so we've been watching Seinfeld, um, <laughs> it actually does make us laugh. Yeah, It does actually, like you genuinely find it funny, and you, you mm-hmm. genuinely laugh. And I don't want to say that Seinfeld is the best TV show, and everyone should watch it, because I'm sure there's a lot of people for whom it, it doesn't make them laugh, and maybe there's a lot of people that too hot to handle actually does make them last Exactly. So I would just say, when you're relaxing, again, when it comes to not numbing, as you said, um, mm-hmm. the same way that we can scroll Instagram, you could be watching a TV show maybe four or five episodes in and realize, I actually don't enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I actually don't like this.
1: And feel okay to shut it off. Yeah. And I think when you're watching TV at all ages, not binging, like you and I watch one to two episodes of Seinfeld a day. And I, that might be a lot for some people, but like
2: yeah, normally we
1: watch a movie a day. So it's like kind of comparable and lately because it's summer, we want to spend less time watching things. So it's just like not binging. And I think Seinfeld's a really good show because you it's not a plot. It's not like it's pulling you in episode by episode. Oh, I want to find oh, out yeah, what happens. True, it's true. not like Grey's Anatomy or something. It's just like you can watch the one episode and you feel content. Mm. So I feel like kind of using that model in future television series is good because then I know people like the plot and they like the intrigue, but I think... This accessible, watch an episode, cool. Going to go about my day. It's good.
0: It's a good point. I'm not sure how relevant to learning that is.
1: Well, I was talking about the PBS, like TV shows that kids are watching should be educational or at least moral. Yeah. I also think radio should come back a little I bit. I think
0: radio should come back as well. Yeah. What I love about radio is that everyone's listening to it at the same mm-hmm. time.
2: I agree. But again,
0: that's maybe for the next series. Yeah. It's a little, <laughs> a little uh, hint as to what the next semester will be about. Speaking of Kramer... From mm-hmm. Seinfeld, the organism of the week, this week.
1: A bone owl?
0: No. What is it? You have to, the clue's in the color. A white owl. Snowy owl. Snowy owl. This one in particular is... The Kramer? No, this is Hedwig. Oh, maybe this is Hedwig. Maybe I didn't draw very you well. You just
1: do this like 30 seconds ago. Well,
0: sorry, maybe it but doesn't it look so good. it
1: looks surprising considering what it is.
0: What do you mean what it is?
1: I thought you were going to be drawing like a sea star, how quick you, quickly you oh. drew
0: it. Thanks anyway. for outing me to the listeners, but anyway, indeed Hedwig. I forgot to draw the organism until mm-hmm. about a minute before the episode. So this is a snowy owl, as I mentioned. Latin name, I love the Latin name, Bubo scandiacus.
1: That is cute, isn't it? Is it?
0: Great name. It's native to Arctic regions, and of course, very famous from Harry Potter.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: a Hedwig fan, or because I, like I know there's some people who kind of.
1: I feel like the poor guy is just shunted. Harry treats him so badly. Isn't it? A... It might be a woman. I
0: think it is. <laughs> I just... Do owls have gender? It's
1: a question for another day. <laughs>
0: I should probably know that, giving it to my audience. I'm joking. They, they do. Um, okay. So the snowy owl is actually one of the biggest owls. Okay. Reaching a weight of up to three to five pounds. Wow. Yeah, that's not very heavy, but a three to five foot wingspan. That is pretty impressive. That
1: is impressive.
0: 20 to 25 inches long. And they are mostly active at night, of course, but they also seem to be hunting during the day sometimes, which I thought was rather sneaky.
2: A little sneaky. But I
0: guess it makes sense given their color. Yeah. Because it kind of blends them in with the tundra. Mm -hmm. They spend most of the time on the ground, and I was curious about their eating, given they're so big. Mm -hmm. And indeed, it says that on the coldest winter days, depending on the size of the owl, it can require up to seven rodents to survive. Per
1: day. Whoa. Yeah. I, I don't know how animals per day. That's impressive. Zero.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, they swallow the prey whole. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose the owl for this is because I thought to wrap up the education series, of course, the owl is commonly referred to as the wisest mm-hmm. of the animal kingdom. And I was wondering why that is. Do you have any ideas? I don't know. Well, something that's interesting is that it has been labeled wise and smart and knowledgeable in several different ways independent cultures mm-hmm. and i think it's because it has very big eyes it's relatively quiet compared to other birds and either even other b- birds in its family mm-hmm. and i think that it's kind of like there's a saying like that with humans right it's like um you should be quiet and let people assume that you're
1: do you have nothing to say or something like yeah. that yeah i think
0: being quiet is generally assumed to be something smart people do mm-hmm. and also because they hunt at night so it's like well, they can traverse the night when we can't even see anything. So it's like Mm -hmm. the sense, And the Greeks in particular associated this with a divine light of Athena. The owl was Mm -hmm. associated with Athena. And early Christians associated the owl with Jesus. Interesting. Makes a lot of sense, huh?
1: Yeah. Not really to me, but I I understand.
0: That's the snowy owl.
1: Snowy owl. That's a cool choice. I remember in particular in elementary school doing a... You know when people would just come in and you'd be like, why are you here? And Mm -hmm. they would do a presentation. Mm -hmm. They did a presentation about owls and they brought in their pellets. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me neither, because that exact same thing happened in my (laughs) elementary school. (laughs) Except we also got to... See an owl? Dissect a pellet. Yeah. I wasn't there for that day, unfortunately.
1: I wasn't there for that day either. What is going on? Oh, (laughs) my goodness. So in sync. Across Nova Scotia, there were (sighs) people missing the owl pellet I would have
0: loved to dissect that. Mm Mm-hmm. These days, maybe not back then, maybe I was a little bit grossed out, but I would really like to dissect an owl. Yeah. And the other reason I chose the owl is because I thought the second half of this episode is going to be dedicated to the imagined Solacene University, Mm -hmm. That the owl could be...
1: The mascot?
0: The snowy owl could be the mascot. I think
1: that's an incredible idea.
0: Do you remember the Latin name? Bobo... I think it was Bubo Scandiacus.
1: Scandiacus. Scandi,
0: it's like, it's cold. Mm,
1: I see. So Solacene University... I wanted to start off by saying what majors I think we should offer. Okay. And I only listed five, obviously there'll be more than five majors, but I wanted them to all be fun, cool, alliterative names. My first one is how film changes the world. Okay. Do you agree or disagree with that as a major?
0: Um, Well, I I was like degrees, Mm
1: -hmm. so I didn't
0: look at like the the hyper-specific, but I Mm -hmm. suppose so, yeah.
1: Okay, fashion for the future. Biology and biomimicry, <laughs> literature, language, and locations, and social sustainability.
0: I feel like... Well, you didn't go for how film changes. That's not alliterative.
1: That one was first, so then after that I decided. Yeah,
0: after that you decided. Yeah. It seemed like some of them were stretched just to fit in the alliteration. Maybe. I'm surprised you didn't go for biology and scandiacus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but it,
1: it was intentional. Yeah. I didn't want it to just be a biology degree. I wanted it to be biology and how we can... We use biomimicry in fashion, in buildings, in social systems. I wanted right. to be a bit more not just studying the animals and the people and mm-hmm, the things. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be studying them, learning like social lessons from them and applying it.
0: Well, let's um, take a step back first. Is this, okay. an, is this an undergraduate university? Yes. I think so too, because that's all I have close experience with. Mm-hmm. So I could kind of uh, fix what was wrong with our undergraduate. But with regards to the core branding, I just had an idea, which is that, so I'll go with my degrees or with the way that I kind of broke it down, which is that there's three houses, Hogwarts houses, Mm -hmm. and there's the arts, social sciences, and the hard sciences. Those can all be rebranded to different things, but those are the the categories. And in the arts, you have kind of a modification of the six classic arts, which are literature, architecture, cinema, uh, music, and then I just put in performance, which can mean acting and dance Mm -hmm. and also the visual arts which can mean mostly painting and sculpture probably. And then there's, that was the one that I was like, I put the most effort into um, the six degrees because that's the one that I would probably like to do. Mm -hmm. And there's the social sciences. We know what these are. It's like law, uh, political science, philosophy, history, sociology, anthropology, things like that. Mm -hmm. And there's the hard sciences, which are like environmental science, engineering, biology, physics, etc.
1: Medicine?
0: Yeah, medicine. Well, maybe not. Um, <laughs> because it doesn't have to teach anything. I, like, first I was like, maybe the Silverstein University that I'm designing should just be an art school. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, well, we should probably expand from there. Mm-hmm. Um, astronomy. But I think that, so a kid chooses their degree. I'm going to, um, I want a literature degree in the arts faculty. Mm-hmm. And then maybe my, my main idea for the school was that instead of having predefined courses that kids need to take and uh, degree requirements. They just take whatever they want for probably three or four years. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, once they're done, they submit a portfolio to their faculty Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and the faculty decides if it's a worthy portfolio to get the degree. And if it's kind of questionable, then they can take a test. Mm -hmm. But I thought that so often it's like, oh, i why do I have to take this course? I'm not going to learn anything and have to pay a lot for it. It's Mm -hmm. like, I understand why schools need to require that because otherwise there's no way of knowing that the graduates know these basic things with regards to, say, engineering. Mm -hmm. But if they have to submit a portfolio, then presumably the designs in the engineering portfolio will require a knowledge of what that class teaches. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, then they can either say, actually, you should take this course or um, we'll take a mandatory test. And I thought maybe for some degrees, I might be like it for medicine. There mm-hmm. might be a little bit, that's why I didn't list medicine. Yeah. Might be a little bit um, too fast and loose. So there could be one year or one semester of absolutely required the typical university the courses are laid out for you. Mm-hmm. We had a liberal arts uh, university, which was very close to ours, which had a first year program, which I think was just called the FYP.
1: Yeah, foundation year program.
0: Right. And it just gave them basically all a uniform introduction to History and philosophy, I think. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really great thing, but I don't like it for every year. So maybe there could be just a little primer. It could even be just Mm -hmm. the summer before the school starts, something like that.
1: Okay, I also had a FIP inspired program, and I think it should be anyone who graduates the Solocene normal school system or whatever, just the school system. You can either choose, it'll be free, to go to this one-year foundation year program, or you can jump right to university Perhaps pass a test, or you just choose yeah, to go test. right into it. Mm-hmm. But I think it—I don't want it to be okay. First year chem, first year bio. It—it'll still be very, very inspired by this program in particular because that's so. The people who came out of that program, we're I competent. swear, were like. Or competent. They were so smart. We're
0: genuine university <laughs> students. Yeah. Like us, high schoolers.
1: Yeah, but I think it shouldn't be because if you have to pay for it, if it's like an optional thing, you pay for it. No one's going to do it. Mm. But I think it's free if you want to take a year it would encourage people to explore a bit more all the options of what they can study in university. Yeah, I do
0: think it's a good idea. It's kind
1: of like a CEGEP or like a um, gymnasium type grade 13. Yeah, and it could, yeah, it could
0: also give them more of an idea, as you said, coming out of high school about what they actually want to mm-hmm. study, what they want to devote the next few years to. Yeah. I do like that. But after that, I think that should be almost complete freedom. I agree And with what that. I'm saying with the um, degrees is maybe, okay, I'm taking, I want a literature degree, but it mm-hmm. could be, a graduate studies uh, element to it which is with my portfolio I also propose a name for the degree yeah, like what you fun. just had with biology and biomimicry mm-hmm. maybe that's what someone wants their degree that's what they want that's written excellent. on their degree I think could be so there's customization you don't feel like you're just fitting into these predetermined and often kind of uh, pointless and expensive hoops
1: yeah I like that because especially when it came to our university experience okay do your major your two majors then with the minors, it's like I had two minors that I had nine credits in, but I didn't get the 10. So they weren't in my degree. Bureaucracy. Is just it was just like, okay, I guess I didn't do those minors, even mm-hmm. though I had almost enough courses. It, yeah, I think it should be a lot more loose. It discourages
0: genuine kind of pursuit of your interests and what you're yeah. good at. Like, so, think... in this uh, structure, what do you think your degree would have been? Like, what category? And then what hmm. would have been the name of your specific degree? Hmm. For me, I would have chosen literature. Yeah. But it would have been something like, I don't know, environmentalism in classical. lit. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that would have been more in tune to my, whereas right now what happened was I was kind of funneled into environmental science, yeah. took a lot of English literatures, ended up hating all my science courses. Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah, my degree, based on what I took, would have been something like sustainability from a business and from a religious perspective. because I took a lot of religion and science courses and I took a lot of business courses.
0: So it would have been in? Business,
1: yeah, business. I suppose.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think that's mm-hmm.
2: cool.
1: <laughs> but I think, yeah, because the way things are, it's like, okay, you have a sustainability degree, but it's like no one in my degree focused just on sustainability because you had to do two majors. So I think, yeah, just m- more accurate titles would be useful for. But
2: finding. that's why
0: I say if the kid just invented yeah. their title based on what they've taught, what they've taken, it's excellent. and obviously the portfolio that submit <laughs> has a list of all their courses. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's so cool. And the other thing is, with regards to a lot of universities today, the reason kids can't just take whatever they want is because it's like, well, they're just going to take all the really easy courses. Mm-hmm. And my question for the Solicine University is, why do we have to have these really easy courses that mm-hmm. if they're that easy and that kind of um, irrelevant to most studies, why do we offer them?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, yeah, everything should just be worthwhile. Like mm-hmm. Everything should be worthwhile. And with, again, the, the predefined courses versus electives, the, the core required stuff versus the things people actually want to take, sometimes the the Shakespeare course is actually harder than Mm -hmm. the required English grammar course. Yeah. So, but we often just assume, oh, that's an elective. Of course, Mm -hmm. they got a good grade on it. I think people usually get better grades on electives because Mm -hmm. they actually enjoy Enjoy the electives.
1: Yeah. And the professors are usually really, really passionate about it. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Something concerning the professors that I was thinking about for the Solstice University, you can definitely disagree with me on this but it's that the professors, I think, should live on campus. No, I like it. And they should host because, again, inspired by... Hogwarts. By Hogwarts and also the university that was linked to ours, the college, I guess. Yes. They would have a uh, president's dinner mm-hmm. and it, like just random kids could just go to the president of the university's house and have dinner, basically.
0: That's why I like the the three mm-hmm. houses. I thought they could be co coded Yeah. So then... Because so many schools are so big, they're mm-hmm. trying to foster community. Like yeah. the good thing about this school is that they only had a thousand students, two thousand mm-hmm. students. So it's like it might be a little bit easier for them to have these mm-hmm. dinners and say, "Wow, look how good the relationship between the professors and the students is." But you mm-hmm. can artificially shrink schools yeah. within the wider institution. So it's like, yeah, I go to the, the Seoul University, but also I'm primarily an art student, and that's mm-hmm. what I identify with within that. I'm in literature, mm-hmm. and so I know these professors best. And you know, we have we have our little get togethers.
1: Yeah, I know like one of my friends had a professor who would have some of the students over for dinner. They'd go on field trips. They'd do little things like outside of the official programming. And Mm -hmm. I think everyone who's had one of those experiences completely remembers that course obviously. They ended up TA'ing for the course or having a lifelong friend out of the professor or the professor's partner. Like there's so many fun like it's just so much more like that's kind of the extra university experience that I feel like people talk about mm. existing but doesn't exist for many people. Yeah. Yeah. So fun.
0: Going on with the, the Hogwarts theme, we could just have dungeons. Okay. Where all the, the, that would be where the hard science kids live. And then the arts kids are like the Gryffindors and they get all the benefits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Another element of the social university have thought of was – this thought kind of started with a with a small seed and it just expanded. It started with we shouldn't be able, we shouldn't be able to access our grades online. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be able to monitor your grades online because what that leads to for so many kids is just jumping through hoops to get mm-hmm. the pass. And I don't think that's really beneficial. If they want to work it out given the syllabus and the grades that they've gotten back on paper, then mm-hmm. that's that's up to them. But so often you're just watching that like a hawk, even more than <laughs> you're actually actually doing your studies. Yeah. Because there's such a financial stakes. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Also, I thought, no submissions online, just because it's miserable. (laughs) So if you're writing an essay, you have to hand it in. Mm -hmm. And then also, I just thought, no communication online at all. No, I
1: think that's smart. (laughs)
0: Because so often there's there's this constant, I can imagine as a professor just being bombarded with emails uh, by students saying, oh, when was the deadline for this? What about?" And so often almost all the time, they are questions which were answered in class. Mm -hmm. But because there is this backup Um, net of, well, if I wasn't listening in class or if I didn't attend, I'll just email the professor and they can tell Mm -hmm. me, no, if there's no online communication, that actually requires you to listen in class Mm -hmm. and go to class. And the thing is, people say, well, communication has been so much bettered by it, but I I just don't think it has. I think it's worsened our in-person listening skills Mm -hmm. and, yeah, the the stakes of being in a lecture hall and actually listening to what the professor says. Similarly, I don't think that the presentations that like the slides that the teachers teach from should be online for us to study. Mm -hmm. I think that perhaps if you go to class, you're taking notes. If you don't want to go Mm to class and take notes, maybe you can do the recording thing Mm -hmm. and then listen back to it. But it requires you to actually go to class first of all.
1: I agree. And I had another note that because a lot of people, they say, well, having the slides online, having courses offered online is more accessible for everybody. But I think in the solo scene, Everyone will live on campus, that's an assumed thing, and there'll be a sense of community. Okay, I have this friend who's like, they're not able to take notes very quickly, or not able to take notes at all, but you give them the notes. Yeah, like well, our just school note takers. Yeah, exactly. But I think just those programs being even more widely community-based almost, mm-hmm. and another community-based thing about the university I was thinking is, okay, there's meal halls, there's places that people are living, but students, everyone enrolled would have a shift a week or something in the meal hall, cleaning. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I was thinking of ways that we can make it almost less expensive and also nicer. I feel like if you knew, okay, the bathrooms are disgusting, you're going to be less likely to trash the bathrooms if you're the one cleaning them. I
0: like the shift idea as well, because it's not just a meme or a cliche that university kids are irresponsible. Mm-hmm. So I think that teaches them yeah, how to sweep. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. But with so. regards to expensive, I just think it should be free. in the No, I think it should be free
1: as well. But I was thinking, I was like, but then you're going to have...
0: Free or very cheap? Yeah. Because it, it, it removes the distractions from learning. I mean, I'm sure there's mm-hmm. studies done that when kids have jobs in addition to their degree, they mm-hmm. get less from their degree.
1: Yeah. But I was thinking with that because I assumed it would be free. I was like, then no one's going to be working. They're just going to be studying, which I think is a good thing. But I think it's important to have I think we'll get to clubs in a minute, but also I really, really liked having a part-time job in university. It was like It you was on it, campus. It was on campus. Just you would build community, met other people in other majors. I really cared for the building I was working in. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important to have a job, even if it was in university unpaid because everyone's doing it and yeah. it's just
0: I think it should be paid. I just think that mm-hmm. perhaps if it wasn't a requirement, as in I need this job or I won't be able to mm-hmm. enroll next year. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's why I think school should be free. I also thought regular fairs expose performances from obviously the, the more artistic and kind students where students can display their work, their study, mm-hmm. and also where potential hirers can come and check out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because I thought perhaps with this, this color coding and this Hogwarts housing, the siloing that I've done, well, it's not good that the arts kids never interact with these and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a lot of work done in universities to build kind of bridges between faculties and subjects, which I think Mm -hmm. is a great thing. I think that everyone should be able to take electives from everywhere and -hmm. and courses and join clubs from everywhere and and all that. And I also think that I really enjoyed the days when you could walk around and see the, it was called fairs, I think, like academic fairs. You could see all the different clubs and societies and programs who would have their booths up. Mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh man, that's the engineering club. And you can go and see what they're working on and, and things like that. And I guess it's kind of like a career fair as well, except it's by the potential employees.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's really cool.
1: Yeah. I always liked those days a lot, even though we were like, we're not switching majors right now. Well,
0: usually. I, I usually was.
1: You, you were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, on the subject of career as well, I think that so many universities pay a lot of whip service to you know you guys have to be constantly thinking forward and you know you should think really think about your job before you enroll in things and you should be always thinking about your career but i don't think they offer a lot of genuine support aside mm-hmm. from a few token co-ops and apprenticeships that they mm-hmm. offer so i think that if there was a, a mandatory um career guidance so you had the same person from when you entered the school to when you graduated who is talking to you all the time about not in a real pressure way about how is this going to help your future, but mm-hmm. just have you had any thoughts about this? Um, here's what's going on in the community. Here's what's going on in various industries. And I, I'm not um, thinking that school should be just an economic conveyor belt, mm-hmm. but it's so that universities don't just dump kids into the dumpster afterwards. And so yeah. that like it's, it's helpful for the students. And I think students would enjoy it. And it doesn't have to be, you know, Google's hiring, you know, yeah, it exactly. doesn't have to be like that kind of networking. I, I was thinking for us, It could be something like, oh, really? That's your plan? You want to start a podcast and hopefully grow that? How can we help you? Mm -hmm. Like there could be university genuine support for all Mm -hmm. the creative endeavors that the kids want to work on because even if the kid's podcast isn't going to work out and, um, you know, they'll be able to live off that, it's a huge learning experience Mm -hmm. for them. And that's what universities are for.
1: Yeah, I agree. I had a few thoughts on how to like keep kids plugged into the community throughout their Degree because I find, OK, you graduate high school, you go to university and you basically live in this paradise for four years <laughs> and you graduate and you're like, oh, yeah, I have to volunteer. I have to do these things to remain engaged because you're almost like automatically engaged because you go to a university. Yeah. So I was thinking almost monthly field trips, hmm. something it could be on a weekend, it could be outside of the course, but you're going to a local farm, you're going to a local business asking questions Um, I also had that most community members should be guest lecturers or just present on the campus, like you were saying with the fairs and stuff. But just, oh, yeah, I run this cell phone repair shop. Nice. Doing a little (laughs) routine, what would you say? A presentation, just like being involved, being engaged. Everyone's engaged with the university because...
0: Alumni. Yeah. Alumni engagement.
1: But like not being, not only... (laughs) Right now, I feel like the only alumni who are engaged are the ones who are working for Google. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> the
0: richest ones, basically. Yeah,
1: it's like you're a stay at home mom. You can also be engaged yeah. in the university. Some of whatever. the
0: some of the, the terminology that we're using reminds me of the way that people talk about army veterans after they're finished with the military. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, then they're just cast out and they get no support or yeah. whatever. So I genuinely think that, not to try and uh, diminish you know military service, but I do think that there's a similar sense sometimes of. Mm-hmm. We were in the sheltered environment, which was, as you say, almost like a paradise. You go out of it, you're on your own, and mm. maybe it didn't pre- prepare you that well. I mean, yeah. the always university would be more mm-hmm. geared to genuine competency and preparing you for adulthood, but I do think some kind of transition program,
2: mm-hmm. some
0: little, you know, we still have meetups, yeah. things like that, I recent so. alumni.
1: And obviously people move when they finish yeah, yeah, university, but that's one way perhaps the internet could be used in a positive way of hmm. remaining engaged. One of my friends, she was telling me, she was like, oh, I wanted to contact the career counseling at our university. And it was like three months after you graduated and they said, no, that's actually only for like two months after you graduate, then you're cut off. Or It was something super silly and she was like, I literally worked for you for like four years. Yeah,
0: well that's the thing with universities, they don't care about the students at all. Mm. You know, they're just profit-based organizations.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> And that, you know, there's, like, no, it sounds harsh, but it's true. There's a lot of a lot of talking about how much they care about the students and alumni and all that. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as they graduate and they're not actually paying,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they don't care. No, they don't now, this pay. sounds like really personal like we're talking like scorned lovers. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's partially true. My final thought about the Sohersene University would just be that there are constant public forums, organized and spontaneous, mm-hmm. to exchange ideas. And especially so that students are always required to speak. Because there's so many students who not just go into university, which is a shame in itself, but who graduate university, not being able to one, speak, to write, to speak publicly, they still have so much anxiety about sharing mm-hmm. any ideas in front of peers, which should be a, a good place to do it. I had this yeah. nice quote, which is that the purpose of the university is to make students safe for ideas, not ideas safe for students. Mm-hmm. And I think so often we, or universities dilute certain subjects before they teach them to students rather than building up the students so that they can handle them and also see what they actually think mm-hmm. about it
1: yeah, I agree with that so thank you for sharing that. Are you prepared for your final examination
0: oh the the education quiz
1: yeah, I'll make it short because it's it's not really that exciting but okay, okay. play along at home if you're listening. so my first question for you Aaron is name two rites of passage that we had ideas about for the solo scene?
0: Ah, uh, geez. It's so early in the morning, and am uh, rough with this. But of course there was, what was the name of the place that I invented for the kids? Do I have to come up with the name of it? Just like no, the, the just, place where the kids were hanging out. Yeah. What was that called?
1: You had Purity Park.
0: Purity Park, yeah, mm-hmm. that's one of them. And then one that you said was <laughs> choosing a name. Choosing a name. I did <laughs> I'll never forget that. I recommend
1: that. Okay, my second question is, what were the two class curriculums that we covered? So remember, we chose ones from the yes. zine, and then we yes. taught how, like, discussed how they'd be taught.
0: Mine was the plays, language and plays, I mm-hmm. think it was, and yours was something about the. I don't remember what yours was.
1: Mine was the art creation course. Oh, the creation of yeah. course,
0: because you're so angry about the name. Yeah. The name <laughs> I remember, yeah
1: um okay the next question what was an element of my library
0: he um, can i talk about the mechanized drones that were like bees <laughs> yeah leaving a honey which was like luminous light mm-hmm.
1: yeah the hive was the name of my yeah, library
0: i, I, I understand yeah, yeah the whole concept okay hexagons
1: um what are some tips for self-learning
0: well we have setting goals
2: mm-hmm.
0: that was one thing um choosing things you enjoy always staying mm-hmm. motivated yeah minimizing mm-hmm. distractions mm-hmm Uh, Maybe this was the episode where we talked about memorizing, where we memorized the poem for. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Those are all things. Okay. Yeah. My next question is, what is wrong? What? I don't know. It was just a joke one. Okay. So our first episode was called, what is wrong? So it was an hour discussion of what's wrong. Yes. Um, And my final one, what are three of my four favorite educational philosophers? Jean Piaget. Yeah.
0: Marie Montessori. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jean Piaget. Well, that's a French name, right? Yeah. Uh, is the Waldorf, is that the guy's name, Waldorf?
1: No, it's Rudolf Steiner. Oh, Rudolf
0: Steiner. Okay, well, I didn't get that. Plato. Okay. Plato. Yeah, yeah I got three. Some,
1: yeah, you basically got the 404 because no one knows that old rudolph So, <laughs> <laughs> um, any final thoughts?
0: I hope that this was a positive series for people listening because what well, you just reminded me that we started the episode, we started the series on the most negative note, what mm-hmm. is wrong? We've done that twice in a row now and I think that next time we shouldn't do that. I agree. Next time we should start with a, a clearer thesis statement. Mm-hmm. But I hope that over time we actually did help people come up with some ideas of their own and the solar scene of education is realized a little bit better in their mind mm-hmm. and then they can realize it with their fingers in the real world.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you all for listening. If you want to hear more from us, we do have a TikTok and Instagram and we have little clips. If you don't like listening to the full episode or you want to share us with someone new. Oh, yeah. Send send them a clip and say, look at these fun kids. Anyway. Bye. Bye. <laughs>